This is deceleration, deceleration.news. We're talking about an interesting new model of solar this week. Our guest is Chris Eukster, the former chief operating officer for San Antonio CPS Energy. He's got a, a new company, Seattle-based Evergreen. It's uh, poised to potentially rapidly expand solar, and they're focusing on the state of Texas, South Texas specifically. Um, skeptical of the carbon credits market, their approach is to invite companies that, that truly want to green their footprints to buy into a mid-sized solar project footprint and start putting that energy right into the grid in under a year. Chris, you and I have known each other for a while, um, certainly since the, um, gosh, 15 years maybe or so, it seems like. Uh, would you remind I me, mean, jog my memory, when did you come in? Antonio Current, right? Uh, you were at the Current at, at the time. I came in in 2009 um, and I came in from the city. I, I was working for Mayor Bill White uh, when he was uh, mayor of the city of Houston. And I was the first, I think I was officially the first chief sustainability officer for the city of Houston um, as we were kind of thinking more broadly about energy beyond just oil and gas and fossil fuel. Um, and then when he ran for governor against Rick Perry, the CPS energy opportunity opened up and they were looking for a chief sustainability officer. I think the whole, you know, Jeremy Rifkin and the third industrial revolution conversation under Mayor Phil Harberger was, was happening and, uh, and kind of sustainability became a, a, a high priority for the utility. And, and, uh, and that's, that's how I came in, uh, at, wow. in 2009, that's so a, a long time ago. That's a great reminder. And for folks who are not, uh, and not many people will be that familiar because this is kind of the inner workings of the local utility. Uh, you all or board members were traveling to Spain, I believe Jeremy Rifkin kind of, uh, commandeered a, a plane, I guess, and got everybody over there to say, hey, this is the future. We're looking at solar. We're looking at wind, decentralized energy. And and there was a real, it was a real heady moment, right? Uh, and from that forward, uh, what, what a ride that must have been. Yeah, I think it was a big pivot for uh, San Antonio and, and CPS Energy to kind of, again, you know, start to go down the path of, of renewables and uh, at least, kind of set you know set the set set things up to to go down that path. So, um, yeah, I, I came in. I think I came in after that Spain trip. I think uh, I was there in two thousand. I think my first visit to San Antonio was a series of workshops that Mayor Harberger was doing uh, as a result of that trip. Mm -hmm. And so you uh, you came in. Where, was your title like a sustainability officer for the utility initially? Yeah, I think it was straight up chief sustainability officer. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was the title. But I think what was unique about it, Greg, was you know it was at a pretty high level uh, within the organization, so it was reporting into the CEO. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, it, so it, it, the, the position had um, you know leadership. Uh, uh, support and and direction. It wasn't sort of a, a one-off or here's what we're going to do on sustainability. It was, it felt like it was a, a core part of who the utility uh, was or is. And, and that's the reason I, I, I was excited about it. It was, it was kind of a seat at the table, a voice at the table uh, as we think through generation planning and, you know, all sorts of stuff. Uh, uh, you know, so, so yeah, so that's what made it a little bit different from kind of a typical, right. uh, you know, it was a senior management. It was a senior yeah. position where you know the you know decisions were going to be made and 
action was going to be taken. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, there's a lot of places folks can kind of go to get sort of like a, a recent history of the utility, and we could go down a lot of uh, a lot of paths in this conversation. I'm, I'm I'm most interested in in talking about your current work, mm-hmm. but I don't want to I don't want to foreclose here. If you want to, you know, you to, to tell folks like kind of like when you left, uh, you, you went to kind of a, was it an international utility kind of? Um, yeah, uh, I think, I think the way, uh, the way I think about it, Greg is, um, you know, first of all, I have wonderful uh, feelings and memories about CPS energy. I think, you know, some of the things that I feel very proud of what we did as a team over there was, you know, whether it, I remember it actually, I think it was the first month or two on the job, I was in front of council, uh, you know, getting approved for the first step for the first step program, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and then we you know set up 400 megawatts of solar through, with the OCI partner. Uh, uh, you know, we we thoughtfully shut down two coal plants with the Dealey plant. So you know, there was a lot of good momentum there uh, that we did, and 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 CPS even today is is a leader in renewables in the state of Texas as one of the most comprehensive energy efficiency programs. Um, you know, is is you know, forward thinking and as well as sort of, you know, a well-run uh, 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 utility in terms of, of, you know, keeping rates affordable and, 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 and balancing all the, you know, the different aspects of reliability, affordability in the environment. Um, but, but after 12 years, I was, I wanted to do more. I wanted to do, you know, I, I just wanted to do more. And I felt like I had to, uh, to, 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 to move on. And so in, uh, uh, February of 2021, you know, basically last two weeks of, of, of work, instead of saying, you know, goodbye to friends and family and think, you know, winter storm Uri hit. And so it was, it was, it was devastating. I was glad I was there because it was all hands on deck, but, uh, 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 you know, that's what I, I left right, right, you know, at, at, at the end of February and uh, took a job up here in Seattle. But ultimately I ended up, uh, you know, my passion is, I feel like we have a, you know, a once in a generation opportunity to figure out this energy transition mm-hmm. and, and, and to tackle climate change. Um, you know, it, you, you've seen these major industries kind of transform, whether it's the, you know, the computing internet in the 90s and telecom and, and the power industry is of that magnitude. And I, I, wanted, I wanted to be kind of at the forefront of that, really kind of pushing you know, new business models, new technologies, new approaches. And, you know, I, I took a job up here in Seattle, but ultimately I ended up, I partnered with this venture capital group uh, called Pioneer Square Labs to start a new company, new venture uh, called Evergreen. And it's uh, www.ever.green. We got the .green domain uh, name and you can check out the site to kind of see what it's about. But basically what we're trying to do is accelerate the energy transition by bringing in corporate dollars and corporate sponsorship for standing up new renewable projects much faster than what business as usual would, would, would take. And so that's kind of what we're up to. Um, and, and we've got a great team up here and a lot of our projects are in Texas. So I'm shuttling back and forth between Seattle and San Antonio and, and having a lot of fun with it. I mean, you don't have the same scale and resources as you, as you do uh, you know, in a leadership group at a major utility, but, you know, you're also like your little speed bug. You're a lot faster. You can, you can move, you can pivot, you can think about, uh, you know, new concepts, executing new concepts. You don't have to be as measured and as reserved as, 
as, as you are, as, as if you're working, you know, at, at a large uh, uh, organization. Um, and, and if you can figure it all out, if you can get it all right, uh, you know, maybe you can have impact and that's kind of what we're trying to do. And for me, kind of that sense of purpose and making a difference is really important to me in my career. And, and, uh, um, and so I'm kind of all in now on, on, uh, on this energy transition and, and, and tackling the, you know, one of the, the, uh, most important topics of our generation, which is climate change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I want to reserve the bulk of our time for that to work forward from that point. I will say that um, for, again, folks who may aren't as familiar with the history here, your transition out of CPS, though it occurred kind of like right, you know, in the weeks after Yuri, it was teed up. You had been, you'd have been been out and, and, and been in the market and, and, and knew you had to go to try some new things, as you're describing, to really to meet the, to satisfy your desire to to make a difference, to move a little bit more quickly, perhaps. Um, uh, and I will say, as someone who was at the table with you, uh, observing you as a as a reporter from 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 sort of outside, uh, but also coming to the table five years, nearly five years with uh, as a clean energy organizer in San Antonio, uh, I think there was a, a feeling among those uh, uh, that that I was coming in with that. That these were things that you were interested in, that you were excited, and you wanted to find a way to you know, put things in motion, and, and so there wasn't a, a feeling of resistance that that folks got when they sat with you. I do uh, recall one of the last times that I, I really was was watching you in relation to uh, CPS energy decarbonization and climate goals uh, was when. Um, there, there was kind of that. It was after the the board had adopted or agreed to adopt or approve uh, or you know uh, embrace the the goals, the city's goals under the climate plan of uh, 2030, 2040, 2050. You know, carbon reductions down to net zero. Uh, you kind of invited the board in a in a public meeting to you know, hey, you know, that's to. I'm trying to think of what the uh, imagine a, a world we could be, you know, in a world beyond coal, right? I think you used language that was kind of straight out of kind of some of our organizing work, uh, and uh, and and immediately uh, other other leadership kind of stepped in and said, "Well, we don't mean that's what we're going to do, but this is what we could do." Then the resource plan came out, and that's been kind of, um, uh, I think, uh, Rocky Mountain Institute looked at that resource plan, uh, and, and you were there during while it was created. And their feedback to the mayor's office we're learning now was you guys have got to correct this language publicly as soon as possible. And that didn't happen. So that's what I mean when we're in kind of like a crooked moment. uh, It's kind of around those conversations. So anyway, I just wanted to to share a bit of that. And um, I I appreciate it, Greg. And it's it's ironic because we're all trying to get to the same place together. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're all on the same team. We're all on Team Earth. Uh, And and. You know, it, it, it's a little bit sad the way kind of the, the relationship with the, you know, between the utility and the environmental groups has, has gotten to, but hopefully it, it'll, it'll get to a better place. So with solar, I mean, this is really exciting. So to, to be clear, Evergreen, uh, you're, you're in Seattle, but you are moving this forward uh, primarily or almost exclusively right now in Texas. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, okay. What is it? So Texas, you know, a national leader in wind, not didn't follow the same path or the same course with with solar. We're just I, I'm seeing between different sources, two to four percent capacity in solar only. What is it that has kept solar in in so constrained, in, in your opinion? 
Yeah, I think I think the market is waking up to solar. I think you're right. Yeah, I think 2021 was 4% of ERCOT was solar. Uh, I think this year, year to date, I think it's already 5% and we haven't really hit the kind of the August, uh, you know, high, high sol uh, solar peak. Um, so I think this year you, we may be up to six, seven, eight percent of ERCOT being solar. So you, you and you look at the, what's in the queue. There's a ton of solar in the queue. Yeah. And so it, I think to your point, the market is waking up that, hey, uh, solar actually has a very tight correlation to when high demand is. So when all these air conditions are coming on, that's when you need power. And that's when it's 100 degrees with uh, with not a cloud in, in sight. So. Uh, I think the market is kind of figuring that out. Storage is coming in play to firm up solar, which is, you know, probably wasn't around, you know, four or five years ago. So a lot of different factors are making kind of solar, you know, the go-to technology uh, to, uh, to address, uh, you know, uh, where power is going to come from in the future to power Texas. Um, so, so yeah, I think, I think solar's day has, is coming or it has, has arrived and we see a lot more solar. Now, now not to say, Greg, to your point, that it's, it's going to be easy, I mean, there's going to be transmission, you know, uh, issues. So if you're going to build solar in West Texas, you got to get it to the, the load centers in, in San Antonio, Austin, Houston, Dallas. You got transmission challenges. You got project financing issues. You got tax equity. It's a very bespoke market in terms of how you stand these projects up. And that's got to, that's got to change. Things got, have to get more standardized, more cookie cutter in how you uh, roll these kind of projects out. And that's kind of what we were trying to do at Evergreen as well, is we're trying to make it simple. We're trying to build utility scale, uh, scale solar mm -hmm. in our cities, near our cities. We're trying to do it at the distribution level so that right. power goes directly to homes and businesses. Right. Uh, we've got a sort of a novel way of doing that at the substation, which is a critical intersection point between ERCOT transmission, as well as where the load is at, at the local level. Um, so for all those reasons, I think we are very, very bullish on solar as being, uh, uh, you know, a key resource that has to go way north of the four or five percent that it has been uh, here the last year or so. Um, and, and we're working hard to make that happen. Yeah, maybe describe also, I mean, just from your experience, I mean, you, you very clearly know the market down here, uh, certainly from within CPS and, and, and for greater San Antonio for the CPS service territory. Um, solar can uh, kind of come online in a lot of different ways, right? And people talk about, or I, you know, um, we talk about rooftop solar and we talk about uh, covering, you know, our cities, right? And as, as decentralized, with decentralized rooftop solar and different ways that that can be uh, achieved. Uh, and then I think people from there logically jump, okay, the, the, the other kind of solar is these massive solar farms that we see from around the world and then to share on, on Facebook with these, you know, kind of like memes and, and, and everything that are just sprawling seemingly miles of, of solar panels in the desert somewhere, uh, choking out some vulnerable, you know, grass or, or, or lizard or what have you. Um, but there's, you guys are through Evergreen, Evergreen is promoting kind of a, a, a middle way that it sounds like there's a number of advantages in your opinion uh, that will allow it to to come online faster and 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 grow at at a, at a level that we that we need to see. Can you kind of describe your concept and your project? Yeah, yeah sure. And Greg, I think you're exactly right. So there's rooftop solar that everyone's familiar with. Um, you know, it's smaller scale and it it, it takes a while. You got to have a roof. You got to have a roof that you know is, you know that you can put a system up there for 20 years and. You know, and it is a market that is, is growing. So, you know, all the all the kudos there. And then you have big utility scale projects that are often, you know, mostly remote areas that need transmission access. They're billion dollar projects. They take five years to kind of come online. 
And what we've discovered is there's something in between. There's you know, sort of a Goldilocks of, of solar where it's you know the, uh, a, a 10 megawatt project, which is kind of if utility scale is about 100 megawatts plus rooftop is maybe you know a, a tenth of a, of a megawatt, 100 kW, 50 kW, 10 kW. So this is 10 megawatts, so it can serve about 2,000 homes of that of that size um, or equivalent of that. And what we what we find we can do is we can actually locate that in the cities. So we can put the, that those type of systems in our cities. And they are big enough to uh, to make a difference, but they're not so huge that you need 500 acres that you got to you know fence up and and kind of you know you just don't have that 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 land access. So what we're finding is you can stand these up strategically, and with our corporate buy off takers, because our companies are basically buying the environmental attributes of those solar systems, the the cost of standing up those projects don't have to be borne by the ratepayer, the customer of that community. So. If a, if, a, if a city, San Antonio, wants to go solar, you know, more solar and don't have a cost to the, the, the local uh, customers, corporate America is willing to kind of stand up those solar projects. And because they have ESG goals that they have to, you know, fulfill for their shareholders. and ESG, their, that's the sustainability goals. The sustainability, mm -hmm. environment, society, and governance. And it's a big topic. The SEC is coming on and it's basically saying, look, companies a liability to companies is climate change. And they have to do something about that because they've got investor money coming to them, every risk you know, they've got to measure. And so what has happened out of all this is, is companies have to have an ES, a sustainability plan and they have to know their carbon footprint. And then once they know their carbon footprint, they need to understand like how are they gonna mitigate that? And so there's a whole industry that's come up around this and companies are stepping up because it's important to their employees that they have a, a climate plan, a sustainability plan. It's important to their shareholders, their, their debt agent, you know, their rating agencies. And so they set these goals, but they don't want to do rooftop solar on their site. Maybe they're in California or the, in Seattle where the, the power is already all hydro. So you're, you're not offsetting, you know, right. uh, uh, any, any uh, carbon fossil on it. So one way they can do that to reduce their carbon footprint is to, uh, to stand up new solar in Texas, which ultimately will offset the power coming from a coal plant or a gas plant. Or aren't and, they just gonna buy credits? I mean, there's a way to buy indulgences uh, too, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, so I mean, you're, count it, you're counting on them to doing something that, that has direct uh, real world effect, exactly. is that right? Exactly, okay. exactly. You can, you can go and buy these renewable energy credits and they, they're called unbundled recs and they've been, produced by a wind farm or solar farm five years back. And, you know, they may have been traded a few times. So they're not creating additional solar. There's this concept of additionality. And so with our clients and our customers, they are, their, their credits that they're buying are actually standing up new solar projects. And that's important to them. And so, you know, that's what our product is, which is different from the broader rec market. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're hearing all the time about kind of like some of the some of these markets and, and, and credits being traded or, or doled out multiple times and not a, a lot of skepticism out there on, on what that actually um, what we actually achieve through through the credit market. So uh, I do think this is, is pretty exciting. Uh, and, and the need, I, I see one, I see that the need clearly is there. I'm also concerned that we're with with other decisions being made. And this is kind of outside, well, outside of your and my control, but but with um, the the acceleration and invitation from the state of Texas to the the kind of crypto market and 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 uh, uh, 
that, I mean, I, I know there's numbers out there that we're talking about the, the amount of load that's going to be required just to meet kind of this um, uh, additional needs that aren't actually creating power for people. So um, there's, there is a huge, I mean, what, what can you, what do you feel like you can get done? Um, you said th these, these, these mid-sized farms can go up in less two years. Yeah. I mean, in less than a year, we can stand yeah. up these, these solar farms. And, and uh, what we do is we connect them at the distribution level with a utility like a CPS energy, but then we, we use a wheeling tariff to settle that in the ERCOT market. So there's a way to financially transact that. So you don't have to have the utility buying that power or doing an RFP for a PPA. So it allows us to fast track that because I think part of the challenge is these things, these, these, more standard ways, to, they take a long time to do. And so for us, uh, we just we just need a, a site. Mm -hmm. uh, we, one of our corporate offtakers you know, sponsors a project and we can build that within a year and have 10 megawatts of solar on online in, in, a, in a very uh, uh, fast way. And we can replicate it, it's cookie cutter. So we can yeah. do it, We're, we essentially need to be close to a substation. And you know, there, I think there are 400 plus substations in San Antonio. So we could do 4,000 megawatts uh, in San Antonio and, and put uh, uh, so blanket the whole city with solar with these corporate offtakers. And so, you know, they're just interesting models that we that that we think we can accelerate the pace to an energy transition to 100 percent renewables in, uh, you know, hopefully in the next decade. Mm -hmm. Let me let me ask you just a kind of a, a wave of jargon finger on RFP, PPA. So for folks who are not in, in the energy field or aren't following energy Twitter, um, uh, how uh, now a lot of like utilities like CPS don't own their own solar, right? They contract with a third party with a company such as such as yours. Uh, and 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 they uh, request for and then describe that describe how that works and what may be different in, in yours. Yeah, so a typical project, especially if you're going to sell it to the utility, they're going to do a, a request for proposals because they want to get the best bid out there. And CPS, you know, when they did the, the 400 megawatt solar and even this the 900 megawatt flex power bundle, you know, they're getting bids from all over the place, two, 300 bids. And then there's a process of going through those bids and ultimately kind of, you know, choosing the one that they that they feel best. Mm -hmm. um, that takes, you know, a year, two years to kind of go through. Um, and, uh, and there's a cost because the utility is buying that. And the reason they do a power purchase agreement is there are tax credits that are associated with these projects that CPS Energy can't monetize. So what CPS does is they buy the power at a certain rate, and that basically allows the project to finance and stand up. And then CPS Energy has the rights to that, the environmental attributes, the recs that are associated with that power. Mm -hmm. um, so we have the same model, but instead of going to the utility, we're going to a corporate offtake, a, you know, a, a company that wants to buy the, the environmental attributes of, the, of, that, of that project, just like CPS Energy wants to have more solar. You know, this, this company in, in you know, wherever, some other state wants to have more solar to offset their footprint. They can either put it on their roof or they can stand up this project in Texas. Mm -hmm. And so it's just a much faster process. There's no RFP, there's no PP, you know, it, it's just a much, much faster process. So HEB comes. Right. HEB comes says we want to we want to cover the entire you know our entire energy footprint. We want it all to be renewable. We want it to be solar. Um, we're going to contract with you to to or we're going to purchase the panels from you. Do they own the panels or do you own the panels? Well, we own the panels. Our our investors would own the panel, but they would they would if they do a power purchase agreement, they get the power plus the yeah. environmental yeah. attributes, 
Okay. Or they could just buy the recs and the environmental attributes by themselves if they don't want to deal with managing the power. So again, we can keep it simple, but yes, that's a good example of a private company stepping up to address their footprint by putting more solar out there. It doesn't matter if it has to be on their roof or anywhere in Texas. What we care as a society is that, you know, carbon is taken is, is carbon is, 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 is not getting into the system because we got a cleaner grid. You know, it's interesting, Greg, because, um, you know, there's a lot of venture money uh, uh, chasing uh, direct air capture carbon. Like you just yeah. you're going to, yeah. you know, we're going to solve our solve this climate problem uh, through technology. We just have a giant vacuum cleaner that just sucks all the carbon out of the air. Mm-hmm. And you know, to me, that's a little bit of you know, you're betting a lot on a, on a sort of you know a wishful thinking. Um, you can almost I, I use the analogy: you got this bathtub full of water. That's then the bathtub's overflowing, and and you got this direct air capture where you got a spoon that you're just trying to take the water out, spoon spoon mm-hmm. by spoon. Why not just t- turn the faucet off? You yeah. know, let's let's yeah. stop the water from coming into the into the tub, you know, in the first place. Yeah. And the faster we can get to, you know, more solar, more wind, more storage, mm-hmm. the less the less we're going to have emitting from you know uh, fossil plants. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is our our approach, like the more renewables we can get out there, we should have a hundred X, a thousand X more renewable projects out there um, so that we don't have as much emissions on, on the, on the thermal side. Mm-hmm. Now, um, what, how, how can, so Texas majority deregulated market. I mean, we're talking about keep coming back to San Antonio because that's our connection. Um, but this is a little Island uh, regulated, you know, like locally owned utility in, in a big C uh, that ERCOT manages. Um, what do you need from uh, from ERCOT, from the PUC, from these various utilities where you're operating in their areas, you're affecting the tra- maybe transmission operations? Um, ha- what do you need from them? And, and, and in what ways could, um, uh, I have to ask, because so many things are becoming politicized so quickly, uh, I'm looking at right now the, the you know, it's, it's illegal in the state of Texas to have, to, to sell uh, green uh, bonds, right? I mean, they'll they'll say, "Oh, you're discriminating. You're boycotting oil and gas if you sell a green bond," and that's become tight with with the with the bank and the finance industry here. Uh, it's very. Di- I'm trying to understand it, and and right now I'm doing some research. But um, what do you need from ERCOT? Do you need anything particular, anything special, or is this kind of? Um, are you ready to come in and and do the job? Yeah, I think I think that there's a lot of good goodness in Texas. I mean, Texas is a sort of a, a market take a market based approach to a lot of these technologies. I think for us or any other you know, project developer that is trying to put you know more clean generation into the system, we just want to make it. We just wanted to have easy to do business. We want to make sure the interconnection process is seamless. That you know we don't get stuck in a you know a, a queue of you know, two years of waiting to get a project, you know, uh, studied. Uh, the rules need to be pretty clear. One of the things that we need for our projects is we need to be able to wheel the power to from the distribution system to ERCOT to settle the power financially there. And it's a it's kind of an uh, obscure tariff, but it, it's a tariff that all utilities in, 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 the, in Texas, the PUC are required to, to have. Um, but not all utilities are there and different utilities price set at different levels. And so there's just a lot of confusion and in in ambiguity as we're trying to bring some of these newer technologies into, into play. Not only, I wouldn't say newer technologies, but new, newer business models, different approaches using existing technologies. And that's where I think utilities and ERCOT can, 
can help. Like, you know, and, and, and to Paula, uh, Paula's credit, you know, she always talked about making CPS energy a pilot for new technologies. And I think that's a great concept. Like, mm-hmm. you know, utilities don't necessarily have to take the risk of those new technologies. That could be the investors, that could be the corporates, but we can't, we can't be stuck with an inefficient process. We can't be stuck like if it's going to be hard to do an interconnection with ERCOT or with the local utility, or if this tariff doesn't work or it, it works differently. I think that's where we need utilities to kind of um, uh, be very efficient and very innovative in how they work with you know players out there that are that are willing to risk and and do things a little bit differently and stand up projects that uh, uh, you know that that wouldn't happen without them putting capital to play there. Mm-hmm. So I, it's not we're we're not looking for for funding or costs to be borne by the utilities or ERCOT. What we're looking for is sort of an ease to do business um, and sort of a standard efficient process around some of these newer technologies and newer approaches. So a, a wheel in tariff is essentially a, a tax on a company that's putting energy onto the grid. Is that? Yeah. So for us, it, since we're putting our, our generation sites um, at the distribution level, so we have to work with a local utility. Well, the local utility is not going to buy our power because they, they're not, we're not doing a, through it a PPA. So what we need to do is get that power to ERCOT. So even though those electrons are actually staying local, we need to financially be able to settle that. We need to be able to sell that power into the, mar- the market. So there's what's called a wheeling tariff, which, which charges the, the project, uh, the use of that distribution system to get it to, to the merchant market. And so from their standpoint, they're saying, well, we paid for these lines. And so there should be a charge for it. I think what we see is some utilities don't have a charge at all because they say, well, it's solar power. So you're basically you know, providing power to a community. And that's a good thing. We're not going to charge you for it. Uh, storage, we might charge you for it because you're, you may be you know, uh, charging that battery you know, during certain times. Down. Mm-hmm. But for solar, uh, you, we won't charge you. Other utilities will have a charge rate. So it's just it's a little bit all over the place. And I think that's where if you're going to put some of these new models, new business models, new technologies in play, we need utilities to kind of, uh, uh, you know, just be very um, user friendly in terms of you know their processes and their procedures. Mm-hmm. Let me let me ask you, um, how, where can we expect, or, or or where where do you expect to be breaking ground? How quickly? Um, what kind of clients are you talking with? What can you can you share about that process? And 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 um, you, you talked about you know one hundred percent getting, uh, I think you were talking about the state of Texas, but getting to 100 or maybe beyond, but 100% renewable. Uh, what's the landscape look like uh, at that point in terms of like the technology that's out there and being employed? I mean, it feels like solar is is, is the gateway, right? To hold right. a whole new world, right? Um, yes. So if you could t- tell me a little bit about what you can in terms of uh, evergreen uh, and when we're going to start seeing headlines about, you know, you know, turning soil and, and, and putting projects to work. Yeah, so we've got one project in Laredo, Texas, that uh, is in the works, um, and and two in in South uh, Central Texas. Um, I would say, yeah, and we've been at this for about six months, so we're kind of still early. Yeah, uh, I'd say in, in the next you know three four months, I think we'll be a lot more sort of press releases on on breaking ground and and uh, and doing exciting things. So we've got three projects that I think are pretty far along. Uh, we you know on the corporate side, we're having people step up and. And uh, and sponsor uh, some of these projects, and so we're we're getting some pretty good traction there. I think for us, you know, we have a, a bold, audacious goal of 100% renewables by you know, let's say 2035. I, I use 
I think 2030 is going to be a stretch. I, I think it's it's probably easier to get to 70, 80 percent renewables, mm -hmm. but that last 20 percent and kind of being able to be resilient under all sorts of different conditions, I think that's where it gets really, really difficult. Mm -hmm. um, but the problem, though, Greg, and you and I've talked about this is, you know, we put these 2050 goals out there, but 2030 is where we've got to we got to show meaningful progress there because, you know, the more we push this off, the, the velocity matters and the more cumulative it is and the and the and you know the 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 more dire the situation becomes. So I think for us, you know, we want to get to 100 percent renewables. Um, I think if we can even get to uh, 60, 70 percent by 2030, which is you know eight years out, um, you know, we we should put you know you know, that, that should be high on our priority. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I know there's also, you, you are looking at, and we've spoken before about some of these locations, you know, it's like, how do you, can you, can you either offset uh, harms, right? Cause some, uh, you know, anytime you're, you're putting something new in the ground, it can do damage, but it also could influence or, or maybe it interrupts uh, the transmission of wind, you know, it's going really great here. And then you've got a new current interrupting somehow or, or causing difficulty. Um, but also, you know, just, just the, the social well-being of people in, in, in Texas and in greater San Antonio. Um, I know one idea with some of these farms is can you also uh, integrate that with conservation easements um, to lock up land to keep it sensitive land from being developed or um, uh, let's say uh, pollinating you know plants or these sort of things because I know you, you want to kind of layer good if possible can you describe some of the thinking around that yeah I, th I think that's that's a really good point I think I think by just being intentional about you know and thoughtful about different ways of layering things in you can do a lot of good without a lot of additional costs so you know, we have a broad ESG scorecard around this sort of broader sustainability concept that doesn't just, you know, factor on the energy environment side, but it also looks at the just transition, you know, what the land use is. We're talking to uh, uh, the Nature Conservancy uh, on, on, on some of our methodology. So we are being very thoughtful in standing up these projects. And what are the co-benefits to the land? I mean, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, pollinators, you know, there, natural grass, uh, grasses, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, even concepts like are there sort of regenerative agriculture opportunities there as well? Um, you know, those are all high on our mind because if we can kind of stack those values up, that project becomes even more impactful from a, from a, from a climate and earth perspective. So uh, we're thinking about that. And then your, your concept of, you know, thinking about where you site these things. I mean, you know, there are places like the Edwards Act for recharge zones or those are places that we're not going to develop. And is there a way to, you know, to put solar there where you still can recharge the Edwards aquifer and you can create energy production at the same time. And so, you know, we've we've uh, in my prior life at CPS, you know, we did have a lot of conversations with SAWS, very forward thinking utility there as well um, around opportunities to site things at wastewater treatment plant. And you know, I think the, the, the sink, in, we put 20 megawatts of solar right next to the wastewater treatment plant there in, uh, in, in San Antonio at, at their major facility. And, um, and it, was a good, it was a nice water energy nexus. It was a nice win-win. But like you said, you've got to be thoughtful about where you locate uh, these projects. And there's, there's definitely uh, opportunities to do that in a thoughtful way, for sure. Are there uh, are there any companies that you would not want to uh, 
bring solar in for? I mean, I know the uh, uh, the knee jerk is like it just had we got to replace all of this fossil fuels. We got to put something better in the ground. Um, we know also you mentioned kind of like uh, direct air cap, you know, carbon capture uh, and some of this other kind of like uh, green technology. There's there's a certain amount of that that every IPCC report uh, it pre pre premises success on on right uh, there's a certain amount of carbon sequestration that's baked into us ever avoiding two degrees or 1.5 degrees um which right. looks very very unlikely at this point but there's also uh an assumption to reach those goals that there's a certain amount of changes in our own consumption pattern so i wonder as an energy generation company uh is there a way you can also contribute to the consumption side or, or some other part of that conversation yeah, I think I think it's an important point that you know we're going to need more renewables beyond just our load. So we we've had conversations with this you know, with with a group that is looking to do direct air capture when you take your carbon out of the air, but they need energy, and so if they if they power that with fossil, they kind of defeat the purpose of what they're trying to do. And so having renewables to power their technology or um, uh, you know or green hydrogen, you know we're talking about a hydrogen you know uh, economy. Well, you got to you got to have a hydrogen fuel feedstock. You have to have a source for that, and you know electrolysis, breaking up the water molecule, is kind of one way to do that. But that needs energy, and so being able to power some of these new technologies with solar, with you know renewables, I think is going to be a really important part of this, and and we can't lose sight of that. So um, because a lot of these these things, we think we're adding good, but then we may be, you know, doing more harm than good if we don't do it the right way. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, so that, I think that's, a, that it's not just, it's not just powering communities and load and things like that, but it's also powering some of these new technologies as well that, that we got to be, to, to have in our mix. Um, getting back to your consumer uh, question, I think it's a, it's a good thing. I think for all of us, you know, we make our choices in terms of, you know, uh, what our foot, you know, how we want to live our lives and how we want to be, you know, sustainable, what, you know, what good we want to do to the earth and, and our communities around us. And I think each of us, I think that's a sort of a general, it's general in the ethos of all of us in terms of being good, good human citizens, so to speak. Um, but our perspective is we don't want to shame the consumer. You know, we want to say, oh, you, you got this, you got to do things differently. Consumers, really, we think companies are a really natural spot here. I mean, they have built their companies, they've made their profits off, you know, this, you know, building this great economy, this great nation that we have. Um, and I think they are willing to step up to the plate and, and, and help sponsor and fund this energy transition. I, I think it's, it's, I think it's a lot to put on consumers. Um, and I think government and utilities, I think are huge game changers, but they're slow and it's going to take them time. So I think this, this corporate ESG, you know, it's had sort of, you know, uh, you know, we we as a as a as a industry don't get that don't get it always right, but uh, uh, you know, I think I think it I think it is a really important sector there to to make a difference, and I think companies are ready to step up. Yeah, and this may be and this may be another conversation. That's okay if it is. Um, but I'm thinking uh, when I think about consumption, I think it, not even necessarily at the individual level. Right. Uh, this could be the at the corporate level. What companies? Some companies probably don't deserve to grow. Right. They're they they actually are just even uh, powered by 100% renewable energy. There, there's just part there's parts of our economy, and I can think about some munitions right now um, that I think probably don't deserve to have a green label. So uh, it's it's 
we're talking theoretical now because uh, we're not talking about any specific companies, but I am excited uh, about your project. I'm excited to see it in, in you're talking about South Central, South Central and, and Laredo, right? Uh, so you're talking about our, our area and there's certainly um, solar, uh, the, the coming, coming on the construction and coming online, there's, there's good jobs. It's not the employer wants an operation the way maybe some, uh, some other, en uh, energy, uh, sources are. Um, but there's probably a number of ways that there can be creative. These creative partnerships can, can, can bring yeah. some kind of security to folks. Yeah. 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 We would love, we'd love to do something in San Antonio. We've had some conversations with CPS energy and I think, right. I think the appetite to do stuff, uh, there with our, with our process. Uh, we're also talking to St. Phillips and their team there to, to bring in kind of the, the workforce uh, yeah. aspect of it. So I, I think it, it's the right set of partnerships coming together around, you know, aligned mission and then making something happen, not just talking about it. Let's, let's actually make some stuff happen. Let's, you know, let's, let's put some solar panels up. Let's, you know, let's bring storage in there. And our belief at some point, these are the power plants of tomorrow. I mean, this, this will be ultimately right now, they are part of the mix and they're an important part and they will grow. But when we're at 70, 80%, they will be the plants. And so we need to think about their reliability, their affordability, their resiliency. And so all of this, I think is part of the conversation. And, and I, I, I applaud CPS Energy for you know, going through a, re, a, reset, a resource plan here uh, to kind of figure this thing out. They've got 3000 megawatts of, of, of fossil generation, a lot of it older. That has to be, you know, that has to be replaced, and and you know, and I think their projects like what we're doing uh, can help help uh, help accelerate that path for sure. Well, it's it's really exciting to to catch up with you and see you kind of off the chain, as it were. Um, uh, you know, I know like. There's just things that gave you a lot of pleasure at CPS. It was it was clear, and there's also a lot of frustration in 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 the need for change, the need for growth, the need for new directions that just just wasn't manifesting. So uh, this project is is uh, is going to be a fun one to watch, and I look forward to our our you know meeting you out on one of these sites one day and and and, and seeing it it come to fruition. Absolutely, Greg, and appreciate uh, appreciate the invite here. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Okay, talk Bye. with you soon. Thanks, Chris. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us at Deceleration, deceleration.news, and we welcome your thoughts on this podcast or anything else uh, over at editor at deceleration.news. Uh, visit our website, sign up for our free newsletter, and if you want to see this work continue, support us. You can go to our support page on deceleration.news or directly to patreon.com backslash deceleration. Again, that's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash deceleration. Thanks for joining. <laughs>